Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Morning, everyone. Good to be with you for worship this morning, and hello to all of you with us online from many different locations. There's a ton of you every week, and we always want to say hello and thank you for joining us wherever you may be. This is week three of a series called One Another. I can confidently tell you that everything we do in the pulpit here is done with high intentionality, okay? We don't wing it, in case you're wondering. But I want to elaborate on the intentionality behind this specific series. The foundation of this series called One Another is a text that you heard a few weeks ago as we celebrated the resurrected Christ on Easter Sunday. I want to review that Easter passage for you. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen, but it's Matthew 28 five through seven. Anybody okay hearing a little extra Easter preaching for a moment? Anybody okay? This is what we studied a few weeks ago. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Because of Easter, because of the resurrected Christ, because you and I have a new identity as Easter people. We celebrate Easter every week, right? He's he's risen. He's alive. Because of that identity as Easter people, we are held to a different lifestyle. We are expected to live a different way in a way that is often not compatible with this world. We are called as Easter people to live in a way that is not often popular in this world. So two weeks ago, we started this series on how we live with one another in light of the resurrected Christ. And I started us off in John chapter 13, where we continued to linger in the spirit of the upper room where Jesus imparted so many important instructions to his disciples. Love one another. And then last week you heard a terrific word from Pastor Dave on serving one another, particularly through a posture of humility. Today I wanna take us on a brief swim through the complicated, messy, and choppy waters of forgiveness. So just get comfortable. We're going to talk about forgiving one another. And I mean, this can be complicated and messy and a choppy swim. However, I always like to delicately preface any sermon on a subject like this. While forgiveness is a very necessary part of our lives and forgiveness is a central key theme, in all of our spirituality. Everybody's road to forgiveness and everybody's journey to forgiveness is unique to you. 
It's your story. So if any preacher stands up here and says, here's five things that you have to do by the end of this sermon to forgive everybody that's ever hurt you or wounded you, eh, I'm not buying it. Forgiveness is your unique journey, your unique story. This sermon today is not about forgetting an offense. This sermon is not about pardoning an injury that you have faced due to somebody in your life. This is not about staying in a relationship that is abusive or harmful or wounding to you. So please take a deep breath. I mean that. I've prayed over this sermon, of course, that the Holy Spirit would be tender with us today as we navigate what I think is a tender subject. Forgive one another. I read an article this week written by Everett Worthington, and it's called The New Science of Forgiveness. He's dedicated his career to study forgiveness, and he has found, to nobody's surprise, that forgiveness carries extreme benefits. Worthington writes, studies are finding connections between forgiveness and physical and mental and spiritual health, and evidence that plays a key role in the health of families, communities, and he goes as large scale as nations. Unforgiveness, he continues, by contrast, seems to be a negative emotional state where an offended person maintains feelings of resentment, hostility, anger, and hatred toward the person who offended him. So we ought to begin by asking ourselves today, which sounds between these two, which sounds more holistically beneficial, healthy, and fruitful over the course of our lives? Even in the heat of the moment, which one sounds more holistically beneficial to us? Physical, mental, and spiritual health that builds strong families, communities, and nations? Anybody here want to agree that we could use stronger families? Anybody want to agree that our communities could be stronger today? Anybody agree that we could use a little unity and love across nations today? I mean, maybe forgiveness has a key role to play in this. Or is this more beneficial? Negativity, resentment, hostility, anger, hatred? I doubt anybody would put your vote on that. Even those descriptive words remind me of the quote that when you forgive someone, you realize in that moment that you are setting a prisoner free. And you think when you forgive that person that that person's the prisoner, and then you realize you are because you're the one harboring resentment and anger and hostility. Not healthy. Paul brings us in Ephesians 4.32, this ever so difficult but fruitful charge. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. So we see these three traits here that Paul desires to see lived out in our relationships with one another. And the first is kindness. So here's my first profound theological point for you that took me hours of study this week. Be nice. 
Just be nice. I'm not going to linger on this one. It's kindness. It doesn't cost us anything. Kindness is free. Let's just be kind people. It's a huge part of our testimony and a significant part of our influence and our witness. I do want to talk for a moment, though, about compassion. The term here for compassion that we see in Scripture literally means to have healthy intestines. I mean that. So my question for you, have you ever had conflict with someone, unresolved conflict? Have you ever had stress in a moment? Or don't know about anybody near you, but is there just anybody you just look at them and it gives you a little knot in your stomach? Like something's just wrong interpersonally between you and that person and you, you have this knot form in your stomach. If so, you are a perfectly normal person. And Paul was actually on to something here. I did some more medical research this week. It's not as good as Ephesians 4. I want you to know that, but it's interesting. One surgeon writes about this. The human body is an elegant, closed-looped system in which the symptoms we feel are an expression of what's going on inside our bodies. This makes sense, right? This tied-up feeling that we get, that we, we know all too well, is actually a response to threat. The intelligent design of our organs pushes blood away from, the, from digestion because, in essence, digestion is needed less for, listen, survival than being able to run away or fight. When you get that knot in your stomach in a moment of tension with another person, we get angry. Our body is actually preparing to fight or flight. And I think what Paul is calling us to here is we don't need to live in survival mode. We don't need to live with these defense mechanisms up all the time ready to fight people who we disagree with. We don't need to live also running away from them because we disagree. So we go into this survival mode. But when Paul says to be compassionate, I think he's saying, don't fight or flight. Don't let that be your natural instinct to fight someone or to run away from them, but forgive. When Paul says be compassionate, he's talking about replacing the knot in our stomach with tenderness. And only when our feelings of bitterness and resentment and desire for retaliation give way to kindness and compassion, are we actually ready for the most difficult of all? And that is this appeal to forgive. Is everyone okay? I'm about to thank you. About halfway through here. We'll keep going. So this petition, Ephesians 4.32, closely resembles what he also said in Colossians. This is chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you could substitute there, as Easter people who are called to a different standard and a different way of living than the world, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Look at this as a garment, right? With compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul is offering similar messages to different churches. So it appears to me that this message of bearing with one another and forgiving each other is one that spans across all communities. Have you thought of what Paul may, what would happen if Paul lived at our time? Somewhere around here. The church of Tulsa would get a letter, friends. What if he lived in Broken Arrow? A letter. Jinx, you're getting a letter. Glenpool, you're getting a letter. I don't know, Bixby, y'all may think you don't need one, but we would all, we would all be getting letters because this is all This is all area that we need to learn and grow and conform to the ways of Jesus. So this spans across all of our communities. He's giving us foundational teaching, how to live. He's building and constructing a community of love. Back to Colossians 3, 8. I didn't read that, but I'm gonna mention it. He calls us first, before he tells us what to put on, He calls us first what to take off. And I love this imagery. A lot of cultures around the world, I've seen it with my own eyes. When someone comes to faith in Christ, they will remove their wardrobe and they will ceremoniously burn it in a fire. And people will celebrate these clothes turning into ashes because it symbolizes the old person is dead. And then they will robe in white in preparation for their baptism. Beautiful symbolism. This is what Paul's doing here. Take off these things that disrupt unity in the body of Christ. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from our mouths. And instead, as God's children, what do we do? We put on something different. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And it's fitting that he goes on from there in verse 13 and says, bear with one another. Can we bear with one another a little bit better than we do right now, my friends? You know what bearing with one another is to me? It's being a little more tolerant with someone who doesn't meet your expectation of perfection. Let me bring that to this side of the room. Bearing with one another is being a little more tolerant or kind and compassionate compassionate with someone who doesn't reach or meet your expectation of perfection. Let me remind all of us, and if there were a mirror here, I'd love to see myself right now. All of us are falling short of somebody else's expectation of perfection. Somebody's bearing with you today, just like they're bearing with me right now. This made me think this week of the serenity prayer. God, grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And the modified version that goes well with a sermon on forgiving one another goes like this. This is when we're angry. Or as my grandmother says, I'm madder than a hornet right now. This is, this is when we're mad. God, grant me the strength to accept the people that I cannot change, the courage to change the people I can, the wisdom to know the difference, and the patience when I finally want to snap and give someone a piece of my mind, right? I mean, this is just real. Why is this real? Because reacting and retaliating is the business of our flesh. Responding out of love and forgiveness is the business of the Spirit. 
And those two are at war. We know this. So of course we wrestle with this temptation to react and retaliate. Conflict and pain are inevitable realities of our human relationships. So if you are seeking a conflict-free marriage today, if you are seeking a conflict-free family today, if you are seeking a conflict-free workplace today, if you're seeking a conflict-free church today, I'm afraid to tell you you're not going to find one because that involves people all across the board. And we bring conflict with us. In fact, when I do premarital counseling with young couples and they tell me, no, we've never had a good fight. I say, I don't know if you should get married. (laughs) Serious. The best marriages are not conflict-free marriages. The best marriages, the best relationships are one that you can come in with disagreement, that you can come in and wrestle with something and supplement that conflict with prayer and forgiveness and you're stronger because of it. So there's always going to be conflict. Our egos are large, our personal wills are strong and stubborn, our personalities rub against each other, and guess what? We all have bad days. In fact, you are sitting to the left and right of many people, or it's just you sitting in your seat today, and you're just not having a great day. And we behave out of the flesh and not out of the spirit on those days. So when someone offends you or wounds you, how do we lean into this discipline and this beauty of forgiveness? Matthew 18 offers this powerful parable about forgiveness, and I want to read it to you today. Starting in verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began this settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Quickly, 10,000 bags of golds, uh, a talent, the amount of weight a soldier could carry on his back, let's estimate 75 pounds, Multiply that by 1,000, the approximate cost of an ounce of gold today by 16 ounces and a pound by 75 pounds and a talent, 10,000 talents, that's a debt of $12 billion. I told you I'd say that quickly. You just need to know this is an extreme debt. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him because wouldn't you too? Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him. Listen, canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Gets graphic here. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And here, here's what we need to hear today. This 
is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is for us. This is the messy, complex nature of forgiveness. I know you noticed in verse 23, but I'm going to redirect you back there. Did you see what Jesus said? He said, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and 12 verses later, we see what it's like. It's a forgiving place. It is a beautifully forgiving, gracious place. So if you and I are in the kingdom of heaven, we are adherents to the kingdom of God. And part of our identity there is that we are forgiven people. There are no unforgiven, but also unforgiving people in the kingdom of God. If we adhere to that kingdom as forgiven, then we are also forgiving of others. We cannot stand before God forgiven with unforgiveness for others concealed in our hearts. That doesn't make any sense. So in those most difficult moments, which some of you may be facing today, when you are leaning into the Lord and asking for help to forgive, I offer you this thought. Remembering my own forgiveness, remembering our own forgiveness will motivate us to forgive others. Let Jesus be the great motivator in relation to your forgiving other people. Remember Ephesians 4.32, forgive each other just as what? In Christ, God forgave you. Colossians 3.13, already read it, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Brothers and sisters, this is where we find the ultimate grounds for practicing divine grace with one another. We receive forgiveness from God. We remember how unworthy we are of that forgiveness. And as a response, we don't retaliate. We forgive only with God's help. Amen? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? And I want to share one other thing, but, but focus here. I don't want you to be distracted. I, I want you to hear this because we're just going to pray in a moment. But ponder this. Christ's death on the cross brought about a new creation. You are a new creation. And human forgiveness becomes a critical element in not only building, but also upholding this new creation. So listen to the profound power behind forgiveness. When you forgive someone else, you are continuing the redeeming act of new creation that God wants to do in somebody's life. Again, I'm not talking about remaining in any unhealthy or abusive relationship or pardoning any offense. I'm talking about forgiveness. When we forgive someone else, we're partnering with God in continuing the redeeming work of new creation for those who are in Christ. So are we willing to acknowledge our own need 
for God's grace by extending it to those around us? Are we willing to live out the power of the cross by forgiving those who have hurt us? I'll be quiet for a moment. And I ask if you have unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness in your heart today, take a moment and ask Jesus for help. This could be the sweetest moment of the day for you. Ask Jesus for help and perhaps remembering your own forgiveness can motivate you today in forgiving someone else. Take a moment, reflect, and pray. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected with all that God is doing here at Redeemer, you can visit RedeemerTulsa.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Have a blessed week.